Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Disney Plus's latest Marvel show, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. It is the eighth TV series in the Marvel Cinematic Universe produced by Marvel Studios, sharing continuity with the films of the franchise. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and this is this is funny. Uh, while I was working in the comic book store, and I think uh, I think we were getting trailers and stuff for Daredevil with Charlie Cox, and the announcement of oh, they're doing Jessica Jones, and they're doing this, and they're doing this, and they're doing this on the Netflix shows. And I, my first thought was like, oh, that's all great. What they should do is a She-Hulk TV show. Oh, wow. Because she's a lawyer. There's like a million lawyer shows on TV. I mean, all of the law and order shows plus um, Suits and NCIS and all of these other things. There's so many of them. I'm like, they know how to do these like crazy. And she's a superhero lawyer. It will be like a easy to adapt thing. The Dan Slot run. Here we are, years later, and it's exactly that. It's She-Hulk as taken from the Dan Slott comic book run. Yeah, and but so you, well, that's interesting that you had the idea of them making this so long ago. Daredevil, whether he's Matt Murdock or Daredevil, yeah. you can do that without CGI. Yeah, I don't know. They weren't there yet. And some would say, they're not there now either. I mean, based on the first trailer they put out, the first teaser, fans were quickly pointing out that the CGI design was flawed. Many people had problems, continue to have problems um, throughout the whole run, all nine episodes, so much criticisms for the CGI. So that's what they're doing now. I don't. Yeah. I think if they did it back then, that have had to have gone down the Lou Ferrigno route. They'd yeah. Gone on somebody, painted them green. I mean, they kind of do that here in episode nine. Yeah, which, which was fantastic. That <laughs> amazing opening channeling yeah, the, the Bill yeah. Bixby TV show. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. Oh, all of that. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, so there they got an actor and I think, you know, it was a male actor as well. Painted them green. So back when... Oh, so it's doing... not the, uh, the acting reference for Tatiana Maslany. I thought it was... Um, uh, who's the onset She-Hulk? Uh, Malia Araya, uh, who's an actual... I think she's six foot five woman. She's six, six foot seven. Foot, she's... Six foot seven. And... Yep. She was the on-set reference and body double for She-Hulk. Who I was talking about is Devon Lewis. That's another stand-in, the one that appeared as Savage She-Hulk in the finale's opening sequence. Oh, I was, was, I, somebody I was curious else. about that. When I saw that shot, I'm like, did they actually get their, their reference actress for, for this to actually be on screen? Because that would be amazing. But yeah, yeah the no. fact that it's a guy's... You know what? That's very funny because it was a completely different person. 
from Bill Bixby, of course, Lou Ferrino. Um, but I, it, I was so happy about the whole thing. It was just such a strong hit of nostalgia. It sounded exactly like the same uh, narrator as well. Ah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, I loved everything about the opening. Now, hey, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're, we're talking cast. We're not just talking cast. We're talking body standings and, <laughs> and, and other things. So before we get to all that, so She-Hulk Attorney at Law premiered on August 18th, 2022 and ran for nine episodes until October 13th. It is the last TV series of Phase 4 in the MCU. The series received generally positive reviews from critics with particular praise from Masalani's performance, though reception to the series' visual effects were mixed. Again, that's very much a reoccurring thing. But the setup for the show, like, I've got to be honest, that there is a lot to like about the show, although I do find it inconsistent. Most people that I speak to are close to hating this show, really disliking this show. So we talked about it off air early on. And, yeah. and I was pleasantly surprised that you were enjoying it. So I thought, okay, so that's going to make for a fun conversation instead of me just having a conversation with somebody and them just telling me how shit they think it is. So I thought, oh, yeah. this could be more yeah. and It's not just because she's a female. Which oh, I, I, I have yeah. to say, on this topic, um, catching up with some of the guys uh, just today who I was, used to work with at the store, all of them were saying the same thing. Like, I don't know what the hate is for the show. It's exactly like the comic book run. Like, did they not read the comics? And Do then you know one what? of them's like, I yeah. got to put my hand up here. We're thinking of it, though, from a comic book perspective of people who have actually read that run. Um, uh, one of the guys, Mike, his, his daughter, who's 18, 19, uh, can't stand the show. Because right. she hasn't read the comics and she says uh, to her, it's all very over the top with uh, his words, wokeness, uh, which I'm assuming is what she said because she's like, she's coming across, it's uh, she's her intelligence drops in certain points, she's contradictory and all those other bits and pieces. And uh, the obvious setting up of like, male bashing um that's predominant like i didn't notice any of that at all uh is it because i'm aware of what they're doing um yeah i mean uh, yeah because i've read the comics uh, also straight off the bat when uh, from the first trailer uh when uh this is episode one which was actually going to be episode nine a lot of episode nine not episode one which is her whole origin uh, I think they made the right decision moving that to episode one because like they address on the camera, I know you're not going to be able to get over into this whole lawyer show until you understand what happened. So here it is. Um, when she's you know got the, the helmet on with all the electrodes and she's putting in that glass room with the wall with saw blades coming at her. But before that point, she's like, uh, you know, the trick, the emotions, the, the triggers are, uh, strong emotional responses like anxiety and anger and fear and she's like well that's just the baseline of every woman existing ever my a lot of my female friends say that about 
oh, like uh, their anxiety in public when they're on their own, especially um, like walking home from the bus stop and uh, a guy walking behind them, they get, they get anxious. I'm like, oh, so I went in with that filter as well of like, oh, so, you know, what happens to a, a, a very small petite woman who suddenly has all these strengths as well on top of all the like condescending stuff because she's a female, a woman, a woman, a lady lawyer uh, and in a male dominated profession, at least what I assume so was in the uh, district attorney's office from episode one. But yeah, so it is the thing out there that, like you said, I hear the same thing of people actually hating the show. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? People seem to be triggered by yeah. by the by the show. I mean, even yeah, before this, I was going to say that even before the show came out, though, a lot of people aren't happy with what they've done to Hulk. Like, if you go back to mm. two thousand and eight, was it two thousand and eight? The Incredible Hulk movie, Ed Norton. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. because we had Iron Man, Iron Man Two, and then Incredible Hulk. Yeah, no, Incredible Hulk. Right. No, Incredible Hulk was the same year as Iron Man. Yeah, but I'm. Yeah, I think you're right though. That was like two years between Iron Man and those two because was it 2000s? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was 2008. Iron Man. Yeah, I thought it was. Are you sure? I thought, no, Iron Man was 2008. We got Iron Man, and then Tony Stark walked into the bar at the end of Incredible Hulk, and we got those two films in one year. And Iron Man and Iron Man, and Incredible Hulk, and then Iron Man 2 was like like 18 months later. Yeah, so 2008, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk, same year. Yeah, And then it was two years until Iron Man 2. Jay, that's not my point. (laughs) What I was trying to say, what... (laughs) people are not happy with if you look at hulk in that movie and then how he's being portrayed over how many appearances in film the inconsistent where is that now well it's not i mean what they're doing is consistent if we're starting with incredible hulk and then we're getting smart hulk how hulk is appearing in this and then you've got that fight scene in the finale and it's hulk going up against abomination and the both size difference, and they're both waving clothes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I mean, I, I'm okay. I could just go with it like I did. Th- this show for me was incredibly inconsistent, but when I, I enjoyed it, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't always find it funny, and which isn't ideal because it is a comedy. It's supposed to be funny. Nothing to do with um, Walters as a character. I liked her when she was Jen. I liked her when she was She Hulk, and it's a show that I watched every Thursday. It came out on a Thursday and that's when I watched it and always found something to like. But yeah, there's, I can see the criticisms that people are having with it, but just the the portrayal of Jennifer Walters, I think he's fine, like absolutely fine because what she's playing is a rounded person. Like she's not two dimensional. And, you know, criticisms like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen because why she's smart one minute and then she doesn't understand something another minute? It's like, because she's human. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, know. She's a person have, with flaws. Ex- yeah, experiences is, well, like, uh, I've done this quite a few times. I get where this is coming from, but something you 
that you haven't encountered before. You're like, which is for her, let's be honest, is the entire superhero thing. It's like, what the, that's, I, like, episode, episode eight, when she's uh, going along with Daredevil uh, and he's like, I'm going to go do this 15 seconds each guy. And she's like, why don't I just go in there and smash him? And she's like, uh, I do this for a living. You don't, like, yeah. just can, trust me, this is the way to go. She should be done there because, yes, she's never done this before. And she might have impervious skin, but Daredevil doesn't. The people she's going to be harming and be wielding weapons around in close proximity to each other don't. And the hostage downstairs doesn't either. Like, yeah, so, yeah, why would she know how to think through a situation like that? She's had zero training or zero experience. Like, so, oh, but she's dumb there. Yeah, because... He's never done it. Like, if I tried something for the first time, I'd probably suck at it too. Yeah, that I was a yeah. That was a great episode. That was a great episode with with Daredevil. Uh, but Daredevil, yeah, rip it and rip it. <laughs> Daredevil needs to answer for a few things because a lot of the criticism at this show was the lack of Daredevil. So everybody knew Daredevil was going to be in it. So every single week I was seeing online people complaining that there was no Daredevil. And it's like, it's not his show. <laughs> like it's it's She-Hulk show. And he finally turns up. I mean, we get it weekly. And then what would have been your mid-season break is when you get the tease of his helmet. That would have yeah. been the tease. And normally you'd have had a few weeks, a month, whatever. And then it'll come back and you'd see it continue. But it's a Disney Plus show. We get it weekly. So we've got the tease and then they come back. Still not Daredevil. And it felt a little bit like the show was putting the middle finger up because knowing people want Daredevil, but no, it's a wedding episode. <laughs> and they do make the point, like, like, does this feeling like really inconvenient for you? It's like, yes, because that's how weddings always are. They're yeah. never convenient for the people who are invited because it's made for the people whose event it is. They've set the date according to themselves and then like, okay, all you people, you need to rock up to be this thing at this time. Well, that, that's actually accurate. So it, it was yeah, fine. It did, and I... it did feel like aware that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we only just teased Daredevil, but yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Do I like Daredevil? Yes, a lot. Like in the comics, and I was a big fan of the Mark Wade Chris Somney run. And I know that wasn't the yeah. edgiest run, like, you know, Brubaker, Bendis before them, and many others, like Frank Miller. But Daredevil, tonally, you can put him anywhere, kind of like Batman. You can have Batman street level. You can have Batman in space. Batman can go to hell. You can put Batman anywhere. And it's like that with Daredevil. And this show proved that. And he is Daredevil from those from that Netflix series. But he's just presented differently. And it would happen in comics. Like if Wolverine yeah. appeared in a Spider-Man comic, maybe he wouldn't have as much of an edge to him. Whereas depending which comic he was appearing in, you know, it'd be more violent or whatever else and more gruff. But tonally, it's how comics have worked for for decades. Like going back to when, you know, Stan Lee was starting with Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, uh, X-Men in the 60s. 
that's what happens. Like, totally, they can be different, but coexist. So I had confidence in the show, and they proved me right that Daredevil would fit. And people are getting upset that She-Hulk and, well, not She-Hulk, it would have been Jen, and Daredevil slept together, and then he's doing the walk of shame. I mean, people yeah. got, people <laughs> were upset. Yeah, I did hear about this, which makes me laugh because, one, uh, Daredevil is like the biggest man slut in, in Marvel comic books. I mean, yep. I the only person he can really go be on his level really there's like tony stark and wolverine those are the three like biggest bachelors in uh in marvel comics and famously in comics he did sleep with g-hulk ah that's the thing in comic books but the walk of shame like pay attention to his body language he's got a big grin on his face for him it's not a walk of shame but and people are like, and why is he holding his boots? Because that is the walk of shame. The walk of shame is the the lady or whatever. They, they Generally, they've snuck out, which is one of the reasons they got the shoes off. But also their feet hurt because they're in high heels. If he's not holding his boots and walking barefoot, you, you don't get the joke that it's the walk of shame. And that's, and that's it. Joke. It's just yeah. a joke. Yeah. But because they went for that joke, though, it kind of undermined everything he'd said previously about protecting your identity, the use of a secret identity. And then he's just walking as Daredevil without the mask or helmet. But it's okay. No, the helmet's on. The helmet's on. He's in full costume. Oh, that's right. The hel- oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. But he's coming out of Jen's apartment. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, a, the helmet is on, but he's just holding the boots. But do you get what I mean, though? Like they've gone from him talking about the yeah. importance he, yeah, of the so secret he's identity out in full costume out of Jen's apartment, like which you know is not ideal if you want to have secret identity. But then the show is a comedy, and they're going to go for yeah. jokes, and that's why, like some things that happen, you're thinking, well, maybe they they might not even stick or it might just be something that is just isolated to to this show like when like in the final episode if you know we're getting way ahead of ourselves like we're getting way ahead of ourselves let's <laughs> let's go back and we'll start with tatiana maslani the thing with her right i, I know she's orphan black i've not seen that show critical appraise people love that show but what I want to start with, with her, during an interview on October 15th, 2020, she initially denied rumours that she was playing She-Hulk. Two months later, she officially confirmed on Twitter that she will be playing the part. Now, her denying, it was everywhere. And it was quite confusing because it was all but confirmed, although unofficially, which I guess isn't confirmed, but it was like, hey, she's going to be She-Hulk. And then it was almost like every opportunity, she was not, not, not me. Nope. Don't know what you're talking about. Not me, not me. And then it denied it that much, or it was reported on at least that much. Maybe it was just blown up. But when it was officially announced she was playing She-Hulk, I don't know, it was, it was a bit weird. Because like, wow, she denied it for so long. And she's not the first one to do it. Like, you know, Andrew Garfield with... Spider-Man, No Way Home. So it has happened. But anyway, yeah, yeah. it was confirmed and she yeah, is yeah. She-Hulk. Yeah, it does seem to be a strange thing that it must be part of the NDAs are so strict. They can't even 
they have to deny even the fact that they've had meetings. It's like, that's, it's, it's strange because obviously people know they saw her rock up at the office. And they're like, hey, I happen to know this, they're uh, casting for She-Hulk right now and I just saw Tatiana Maslany walk into the office. Like, you know, so yeah, it is, it, it is strange. Although I do think she did a great job. Um, she's got really good uh, uh, emotional acting on her face. Like it's very expressive. It tells you exactly what uh, she does. Uh, I saw an interview with her and Mark Ruffalo where they were actually trading war stories on set <laughs> of uh, having to wear the motion capture suits because, of course, that's what she had to do because she was still acting as She-Hulk, but they they had uh, uh, Malia Araya perform the scene so she could see the physicality of it. And I think they actually uh, captured her and then they did all the face capture and stuff and other small traits with uh, Tatiana, but they were talking about the oddness and the loneliness, uh, and he gave her some, like, inside, like, baseball of, like, oh, this is what I found helped me, like, because I've been doing this character now for 10 years. <laughs> like, yeah, and that, all that sort of stuff, but, you know, they filmed all the Bruce Banner stuff, like, late, late, uh, later in the, uh, in the filming process. So despite the fact that he is you know from our perspective in episode one it wasn't until all the later stuff that they actually got on set to get that so she'd already done a lot of work beforehand right so she okay. had been completely isolated and then he's on set to do all that stuff and then she actually gets to talk to someone like oh someone who understands what it's like doing this sort of acting because <laughs> it is yeah it is from all reports of anyone who's ever done it very challenging um so to be able to do that and get a confident performance out of it as well. Uh, especially given the size difference of like, you've got to navigate the office that looks like this. Uh, yeah. That person's got a twice as long stride as I do. How am I going to get it to stay, keep my pacing? Um, which I think might be one of those things that people complain about the CGI of like, oh, she doesn't look connected to the sets. Like, yeah, but they haven't scale up a human whose stride is like half as long. Of course, it's gonna. It might look a little bit weird or floaty because they're actually having to change that. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, with you, I think she's absolutely fantastic, and she can do it all. Like, I mean, she experiences genuine heartache in in this, and she's you know she's doing the drama. She's you know there's action, and she absolutely nails the comedy. Like I was saying before, yeah, that I don't yeah. always find it funny, but what she's doing, her comedic timing is just spot on. Like she really is good. And what I found this interesting a character that served as a touchstone for Jen was Elaine from Seinfeld. And I can oh, absolutely yeah. see that. To think Elaine is She Hulk, and you're like, ah, yeah, that actually looks like what they're doing. And they're doing it yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I honestly, I, I, yeah. I mean, when you're the title character, you can make or break a show. And she really is great. And, and it's why I really like seeing her. And yeah. When she's She-Hulk, you're like, oh, you can still see the actress. She's got the face, which was good. But I think that's why it's a little bit jarring as well, like visually, 
because when Mark Ruffalo becomes Hulk, I mean, Smart Hulk's a little bit different because he's like, he's not as big, but it's a big hulking creature. Mm. Whereas for Jen, she's taller, she's bigger, but he's, but then she's still like dressing like Jen. She's being a lawyer. She's going to work. So I think that's why it looks a little bit different. Whereas more often than not, when Banner is Hulk, is in motion. There's action. So you're not spending too much time with him just standing around. Yeah, and it's not, and he's not generally in everyday situations like sitting in an office, like which would just look bizarre. Like the Hulk just there. Um, yeah. And speaking on that, I did watch uh, Corridor Crew break down the VFX artists react on the special effects, and they go, uh, you have to understand, people are looking at episode one. There's Mark Ruffalo Hulk right next to Tatiana Maslany's She-Hulk. I'm like, why is the graphical fidelity so much higher on Mark Ruffalo? Well, one, they've been doing him for 10 years. But two... He's got stubble. He's got wrinkles in his eyes and on his forehead, and he's got like uh, more uh, muscular in his face because that's typical of a man uh, for frown lines and things of that. Like more more defined traits that you can carry over. All those little textures help break it all up and offer more for your eye to take in. And go, oh yeah, that's a real person. You can't do that with a woman. They don't have facial hair. Um, generally speaking, they don't have as prominent eyebrows and like uh bits on the forehead and like square blocky jaws and like a big schnoz that like has maybe like a little crooked bit in it because it's been broken before or something like that. And every time you put a crease on a lady's face, and this is very true of uh, comic book art as well. All artists say the same thing. You're trying to get some definition to break up the face or make it more unique to the other woman you draw on the other side of the page. And every time you put a line, it adds 10 years. Same with CGI. And the only harder color skin tone to do uh, than green to make look real is blue. So it's the second hardest skin tone to make look right because you still got to get that semi-translucency of the skin and all this sort of this other sort of stuff. And there are scenes generally when she's like, uh, in this episode eight, when she's all her hair's disheveled and she's like sweating and she's, cause she's angry and it's all, and she's all face is all screwed up. Looks phenomenal. It looks yeah. great. It looks like a big screenshot and episode, I think it's episode three with uh donnie blaze and oh, she lands yeah. <laughs> on her own uh couch and she's sweating and she's got all goop on her again looks amazing because there's more graphical detail on her because there's more things they can do without accidentally aging her up and so your brain can take in more so like, oh there's more detail for me to tell what's there what's normal when she's just normal she hulk in a suit in broad daylight with the normal passive expression, yeah, she's not going to look like anything like because you don't see green people walking down the street. So, of course, your eyes going to be like, oh, well, something does look right. Yeah. They can't add anything. They really glad. The only thing they could do mm-hmm. graphically would have those rooms darker because then you can start doing strange things with shadow. Right. To yeah. sort of add some contrast. But she doesn't have that. She's in a well lit 
like day offers. That's right. I'm really glad that you said that. That's you just made some very, very good points there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well done. Corridor crew for uh, help breaking <laughs> me down and explaining what my brain is having trouble picking up. <laughs> yeah. And well done for you for bringing the information to us. Yep. Jamelia Jamil as Titania. This yeah. is a character that I know from, from the comics. She's often in a relationship with Crusher Creel, the Absorbing Man, a character we've seen previously on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But here yeah. she is. Um, I think they're portraying her a little differently. Uh, she's still really powerful. She can go toe-to-toe with She-Hulk. And we get introduced to her very early on. Episode one, she breaks into the courtroom we get a fight, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. So of the nine episodes, you know, we're going to see her often, I'd imagine. She is the prime antagonist. Five episodes. That is that's all she appears for. And whenever she appears, they definitely make the most of the character. And the actress puts so much into her performance as well. She trained in jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, kung fu. So she was getting in shape for the stunts and the physicality. She brought a lot to it. And I thought she was really good. I mean, before this, I first saw her in The Good Place, which is an absolutely fantastic show. So I knew her from that. And most recently, she was the voice of Wonder Woman in DC League of Super Pets. Very good film. Um, Yeah, and now here she is in this Marvel show. And I'm pretty sure she's got, I think she's going to be doing something Star Trek soon. So she's very busy at the moment. But yeah, she's she's good in this. And you're supposed to dislike her, be annoyed by her. Job done. That was definitely my experience <laughs> with, with this character. But again, played really well. Like how I felt towards that character was the intent. Yeah, because she's playing uh, an influencer, which is... <laughs> I love when you get like the the news report of like why she was even in the courtroom was because she's at traffic court and she was chucking a tantrum. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't, I shouldn't have to deal with this, and then kicks through a wall. Like, yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. Um, I think she's great. Uh, I was hoping for a character development arc for her for throughout the season of where she, they kind of have a mutual respect maybe in a season two if we get one but uh yeah i i thought she uh brought plenty of the character um nikki ramos the best friend of jennifer walters and her paralegal played by ginger gonzaga uh gonzaga she's great she's a scene stealer (laughs) yeah no she she really is and even when it gets to the point when she's like you know she hulk or jen has lost her job and she's leaving and she goes with a friend, well, let's go there. And she's like, oh, I'm kind of going to stay. They pay really well. I'm going to stay here. Like, yeah, there's yeah. there's a quirkiness, a likability. And yes, like you say, that's, that's like she's stealing most scenes that she's in. Yeah. And um, she gets a lot to do. She's Jen's cheerleader. Like, you can do this, girl. Um, she's great. And every, I was happy with every single uh, scene she was in. And even in, I think it was episode, it was the wedding episode. 
where she was uh, the paralegal for uh, Nikki, uh, not Nikki. Uh, I think it's Mallory. Um, the other female lawyer. Yes, um, Mallory. And showing also her intelligence of like solving all of the issues with uh, Mr. Immortal and his all, his many ex partners. <laughs> like <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was like, funny. Yeah. That was funny. Life gets too hard. He just kills himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead but, of getting a divorce. Know, yeah, but video phones now, so people could be like, "Hey, this look at this weird thing I just saw." <laughs> uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was great. I like even when they're like picking, like they're they're picking apart like how stupid his whole thing is of like you know don't want to have the conversation, so you just pretend to kill yourself, like, and then he just out the window like even that was too much for him <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah, so yeah she yeah she really is yeah she's really good um another friend we've got pug played by josh cigara i yeah. first saw him in arrow he played vigilante in that adrian chase yeah that's right yeah that's where i saw his face very different here very different here yeah. and what's really good about his character one is just so likable and likes everybody and gets along with everybody. But it's really nice seeing because you know Jen's got ups and downs, and yes, she's got her friend Nikki, but she's also got Pug, who's very supportive not only of She Hulk, but he's very supportive of Jen. So yeah, that's pretty much that's the part he plays and plays it very well. But it's good that she's got someone like him in her life. And then we, you know, his jokes of him where he's going undercover. And he's like, he's pretending to hate women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's not very good at it. Like, Nikki's got to literally yes. in his ear and tell him, like, like, just you say, say yes, like, idiot. Like, no, you <laughs> say it like it doesn't, you don't like it. Like, the more conviction, and it pisses me off. Like, <laughs> and, he, and the whole loves his swag, gets his, uh, gets his hook up for new shoes uh, with Nikki's help and, like, all the, like, the knockoff of of Avengers or Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. So good, yeah, so good. Uh, like, yeah, he's great, great character. Also from the Dance Dot Run, uh, Pug. Like, he has a complete character from the the comic book run, which I appreciated seeing him as well. No, that's cool because I think Nikki is an original character, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she definitely wasn't in any of the comics I've read. Tim Roth back as Emil Blonsky, which was a big surprise for me when he first returned for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings because MCU had kind of left the Ed Norton Hulk movie behind. Yeah, you know, we're yeah, getting very little Blonsky. Reference. Yeah, well, none. Like we're getting no references, but then Abomination was back there looking a bit more comic accurate. And the leader has been confirmed for Captain America 4 with Sam Wilson as Cap. Yeah. And it's Tim Blake Nelson back from that movie. So it's like, okay, yeah. so they're embracing it. I mean, it's still not available on Disney Plus. So I guess um, we need to wait a little bit longer for that. But hey, Tim Roth, always good to see more of him. And yeah, it's like, is he, is he really good now? Is he bad? And you know, the character was layered. And then, I mean, it's revealed that he was at the event because the whole thing with Hulk King, 
You've got that guy. And he's wanting to out She-Hulk. He's jealous because a female has power that he believes he should have as a male. And that's his whole thing. But then you find out that Abomination was essentially the MC of that event. And yeah, then but- the hurt that Jen feels because she felt like she had a connection with Blonsky. But she wasn't angry that he was emceeing an event. She was angry that he was doing it in his Hulk, in his uh, abomination. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that he, that he the changed, part yeah. of his uh, the of uh, the condition of his release is that he wouldn't change. Um, and I don't think he actually was there because, like, yeah, fuck Tree Hulk. I think he was literally just taking the payday. Oh, you know, that's he, how he, I, yeah, I interpreted yes. the whole thing. I did and as that's well. Like, he was that, legitimately yeah. reformed, and that's what he I was had, saying. That yes, they developed a relationship so she was hurt that he was there and and it wasn't ideal that it was an MC at that particular event you know the one that's been going after her and that was a big complaint that was happening online like people are saying that every episode is one and done again many comics are, are told that way but it was that but there's no like overarching plot and it's like yeah there was this mystery organization that was trying to get her blood, that was testing her limits. I mean, we get the live action debut of the Wrecking Crew in this. So we've yeah. got Immortal Man, Wrecking Crew, we've got Porcupine, some other like, obscure Marvel characters are appearing here. But that Mandel. was the essential. Yeah, Mandel. <laughs> Yes, and they're yeah. like strange co uh, codependent relationship. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. A so vampire was... guy whose name yep. I didn't quite get. <laughs> I, I I think yeah. Like I've, I'm sure he's actually a, re- a deep deep cut from the comic books. But yeah, like yes, he has, makes that great tea. Gotta be honest, kind of miss the chicken blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to look. So do have it. Okay. Uh, so that's Terence Clow as the vampire. Saracen, Saraken, something along those lines. It's one of those things where you see it written down in comics for years. And it's yeah. never quite how you think it's going to sound. Yeah. But yeah, but that was that was the plot. And that and the whole thing with that guy starts dating Jen for Jen and he wants her and he's not interested in She-Hulk and he sleeps with her and he takes her blood. So he's like, ah, there's some shit things going on. And he records in it her as well. life. Yeah. And it gets uploaded to the internet. And that's why she first, you know, because that was the thing as well. Savage she's she even Savage Shield. Like the at end of that episode, she's like, what are you all doing here? Like, what's going on? Like, sure, this is the end of the episode. Why are you still here? And then it carries on. She's going to the event. And that's when everything is put up on the screens. And she finds out what's really been going on. And the first yeah. thing that yeah, people the, do. Yeah. Is turn on her like she's the problem. Yeah, yet she's the victim. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is like I that was there was that was the thing in the background. Like yes, no, no, there was there was like a like there were just plotting, uh, um, planting seeds, but, but they weren't the point of those episodes. You can have something built without making it the focus of every single episode because a lot of shows that do that, if you're not into it, that can really drag a show down um i mean season the most recent season of discovery we discovered we really really didn't care about the uh oh wait no not discovery it was um season two of lois and superman and lois the villain for the whole season 
Yes. We were over in like two or three episodes and we're like, oh my God. And they keep bringing her back. She's like, major villain. Like, please move on. I don't care about her. Yeah. So that, I think it's better to do it this way. I like episodic television. Uh, I We have plenty of um, television that has long form storytelling. They do it really well, but it doesn't have to be all that way. I thought they did it really well. Star Trek. Strange New Worlds did it really oh, well. Perfectly. Star Trek Ducks yeah. does it really well. It can be done. But most Doctor Who seasons are structured in a very episodic way, and then you get sprinkled in little bits and pieces here that become like the last two episodes of a season. Yeah. So yeah, they, are, they are doing it here. Yeah, they are doing it here, and they're doing it well. And you find out that's what it all is, that they want her power for themselves or... Hulk King, he wants the power for himself. But yeah, Bonsky Abomination, Tim Roth back. Um, yeah, I, I really liked him in this. Now, let's talk about Megan the Stallion. I've got to be honest. I know who she is. Don't know her music, but I know who she But Again, I'm old. I'm not that old. I know of her. Yeah. People got upset. People got upset. People got really People upset. People got so upset that... She was twerking. She-Hulk was twerking. They were both twerking together. And fanboys online getting so upset that this character from the MCU is dancing. And it's like, hang on a minute. Have they forgot Guardians of the Galaxy? Is it okay <laughs> for Star-Lord to do it, but it's not okay for She-Hulk to do it? Now, again, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was having Megan Thee Stallion on it. I know now she's huge. But regardless, people were going after the show because the character was dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually Tatiana Maslany doing the twerking. Like, and there you go. She, uh, she did the motion capture. That was her in the video from college showing that she had learned it back in college, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, but, and the reason, for, one of the reasons for that, that shot was without it, they'd gotten Megan the Stallion for the episode, which was a huge get for them because I didn't think they'd make be able to make it work. And without that, her and Tatiana Maslany was never going to share a scene. And for Tatiana's sake, who happens to be a fan, she was like, "Oh, it'd be great if we could just get like a little, a little short scene." And that was it. That's what they came up with. Like, and that's all it is. I mean, if I remember correctly, it's, it's a post credit scene. It's it right is a comedy show. <laughs> it's a comedy show. Like people used to dance in Ally McBeal all the time. Another comedy war show. Like, yeah, you know, like get over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't Absolutely. understand all the uh, all the hype, all, all the all the uh, negative hype. Anyway, honestly, it was a weird experience because again, I'll use the word inconsistent. But watching it week to week and just yeah, okay, cool. Here's another episode. Here's another episode, and then. People online, I'm mad. Okay, that's, that's a big, that's yeah. a big reaction. And it's like, I mean, I, I, I was gonna say, you don't have to watch it, but it's been designed so you have to. Really, I, I can say here, oh, you know, maybe don't watch someone, don't watch it, but it's the, it's the Marvel Studios machine, isn't it? You know, whether it's TV, yeah, film, yeah, it's all interconnected. Um, Mark Ruffalo is back as Hulk. We've got this new Hulk character. 
So it's easy to say, if you don't like it, you don't watch it. But people are worried, I guess, about missing out on something, something that could potentially impact things down the line. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was a great proving ground for that. People who hadn't watched uh, WandaVision went and saw that and like, what's going on? What's this with Scarlet Witch? It's like, yeah, this was all covered on, on the TV show. What TV show? Like, <laughs> come yeah. on, people. The, the MCU's been around long enough that you should have known that you had to watch that. Like, oh, but not all of us have it. Well, then go around your mate's house who has it. Like, please. Like, so I understand, like, yeah, like you're saying, like, you don't have to watch it, but eh, you feel like maybe you kind of do. Like, you never know. Yeah, to, what, get, to get the whole experience. Things. The whole stuff, especially, because um, now we know how he fixed his arm. Like, that's at least one little thing that's going to continue to have repercussions as he pops up later on. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. I didn't get the whole thing. No, I didn't. Mallory's book. <laughs> yeah. Mallory book. Uh, we brought her up earlier. She's the one of the other lawyers for the firm that Jen works for, played by Renee Elise uh, Goldsberry. She's great. Um, like, very attractive. She's She is, like, the hot, the uh, high-powered female lawyer. I think Jen aspires to be. Yep. Um, comes across very cold, uh, but I think you get you kind of get your answer for that in episode eight at the end when female lawyer of the year, and then just give it to like eight female lawyers. They don't actually give it to one. Who's earned yeah. it. it? It's like a like they've just had done this gala to be like, yes, look, we celebrate women in our industry. And you know, her whole thing is uh, twice as much work, half the pay. And I'm constantly having to answer questions like, "What's it like being a female lawyer?" <laughs> and we find yeah. out she actually has a husband and kids, and all this stuff is like her private life is very much like locked away. Yeah, probably because she's had. Uh, people judge her as for as being overly emotional or whatever. All the stuff they said in episode one that uh, Jen says to Bruce talking about how she's learned to control her emotions because she has to present herself as nothing more than a lawyer. Like, there's nothing more. I'm just a lawyer. I'm not a woman. I'm a lawyer. Like, and all my other stuff is private and locked away, so I'm not judged based on it. Like, but she, yeah. She she delivers a lot, and whenever you get a little bit of her humanity poked through, when she like has a drink with Jen, or has encouraging words for Jen, or she's hanging with Nikki, and you get those other those little insights into her personal life, you're like, holy crap, good job! And it's really well performed as well by the actress. Like, yeah, I I, was, I actually wanted more of her. She popped up so infrequently because yeah, that's so many true. Episodes yeah, episodes were away. From the office. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. Yeah, she was really good. Um, we mentioned Wong already. Benedict Wong. I mean, he's like the glue now, isn't he? That's keeping the MCU together. I mean, he's the new Phil Coulson. He's the one that you go to to just pop up and just keep things connected. And he's still yeah. the source for Supreme. Yeah. And getting his uh, streaming of Sopranos ruined by people. <laughs> yes. Very, oh, very you know, relatable. We, we, we need to talk about Madison. 
Yeah. <laughs> one I, one S, two Ns, a Y, but then that way you think. Uh, Patty <laughs> Guggenheim. Yes. Show Stealer. Um, Absolutely. I heard people come episode nine when Wong comes to pick out Emil from prison uh, and he's going to take him into commentage. They're like, Where's Nikki? I wanted to see her in the background. Like, Ah, Wongers. I'm like, because <laughs> it shouldn't have worked. She was designed to be like the most annoying, like, uh, uh, surface level valley girl, like just that person who you're at a bar or something and they walk in all loud and obnoxious and you just, uh. But for some reason, her and Wong, and it just works. It I think just- it's because, like, with her character, they went. It, it's that thing where it's, have they gone too big? And just when you feel as though they have, they go bigger, but it somehow works. So it just, yeah, on paper it shouldn't, and you should just hate this character. But yeah, yeah. it just, and then, yeah, the double acts between them, her just being so extreme and then just one just being level. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy that character. But that was the same episode that gave us Donny Blaze. And I remember... Donny Blaze, not... Not Johnny Blaze. Exactly. Ah, oh, the the advertising, and you saw that poster, quick blinking, you'll miss him in one of the teasers. And people were thinking, oh, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider's going to be in it. Just like Daredevil, I'm waiting for Ghost Rider. And then you get to what you think is going to be the Johnny Blaze episode, and it's not. It's Donny Blaze. <laughs> this terrible, terrible magician who has a hype man. Yes, <laughs> and he's like he can't do simple magic, but and he spent like a couple of weeks at Carmontage and like is now dangerously. I guess he's only doing the sling ring. He doesn't have any yeah. other like that's his master yeah. any other spells. That's his that's his whole thing. That either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he's he's great. It's, it's really the, uh, it's really entertaining. The husband yeah. of one of the I think it was one of the directors or the showrunners. Oh, really? Um. Yeah, like who's an actor, but yeah, she's like, oh, I gotta get a, a magician who's like useless and kind of annoying and a bit of a dipshit. Like, oh, my husband's perfect. Ah, <laughs> but he was right. Uh, yeah, so right, his wife is Cat, the leading director. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, and I'd like the little joke. It's like again, it seems to be like a like a, a, a fingers to the fans of like. Aha, uh-huh, you wanted uh, a ghost rider, but we gave you this idiot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. also his name, like, does Ghost Rider already exist in the MCU? And he's stealing that name to get eyes on him? It would happen. I mean, we, we do don't know. We don't know, do we? Because I think Johnny Blaze did appear, but it was just passing on the mantle of Ghost Rider to, oh, is he called Jaime? I can't remember the... The one with the car, yeah, I can't remember yeah, who what... appeared in Agents of Shield. Um, yeah, oh, but it was in I... an episode of Agents of Shield, and it was almost like blinking, you're missing. You got Ghost Rider there. I'm assuming that was Johnny Blaze. But anyway, yeah, this is a different character, Donny Blaze. The the prototypes used to inspire the character, Chris Angel and David Blaine. So that's the kind of musician that they they were going for. Um, Griffin Meadows as Luke Jacobson. 
a fashion designer specializing in superhero suits who builds a new wardrobe for Walters when she transitions to and from She-Hulk. And he makes her, even though she doesn't ask for it, a super suit. And it's from the comics. Simple yeah. design, works well, but it was also given a better fitting attire when she was a lawyer, the ball gown. Yeah, and he's he's very much, uh, what's the character from The Incredibles? Uh, I know who you're thinking of, uh, uh, Edna. Yeah, very much those vibes, but cattier, bitchier. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, and he's and great. Like every time he popped up, I, I, I appreciated the uh, commitment to the bit, like really well written, really well performed. Um, and he's also prepared some suits for uh, Daredevil, so can't, uh, can't fault him on that. And although he built the uh, rocket boots for Leapfrog, I don't think he did the whole suit. Maybe he did. I don't think it was I think he, up I, really. Yeah, I think, I think he, he made he, the suit, yeah. But he, yeah, but but he, he used the wrong, like, yeah. He used the wrong fuel, but he's also like, uh, who told you you could pull off this color? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like it, but yeah. He, uh, and that was the leapfrog, of course, uh, played by Brandon Stanley. He was like the most obnoxious rich kid. Like he was also just an idiot. I did like his catchphrase though. It was so good. Like, was, like <laughs> ribbit and rip it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Leapfrog is from the comics. He is one of those like stupid, like D grade characters. Uh, and I always have a, a, a fondness for them, but to see him in live action and be like an idiot and be useless and like very kick ass. Yes. Up yeah. On the scene and gets his ass beat. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, great. a character like that, if they're going to appear anywhere, this is the show. And with it being a Disney Plus show, like whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, Pretty much every character gets a character poster. So you, Leapfrog yeah. has a character poster. The character yeah. Leapfrog. It's crazy. <laughs> and that's the other thing about like uh, all the She-Hulk stuff is there's so many really obscure characters um, that you're not going to put in a, a big action movie. But a show like this is like perfect for them because yeah. them are, like I said, I love them because I reckon they're like ridiculous. But yeah, like like Man Bull, like League Frog. I mean, this is exactly the sort of thing. There's a really great episode issue of uh, She Hulk where she's like uh, the person who has to show up to check in, like at the for the um, parolees, you know, the, the case officer who has to show show up and check in on uh, villains. And one of them is Shocker, and she has this like nice heart to heart with him about like. Because he's got like brain, like brain uh, damage, like like CTE from using his gauntlets. I'm like, I would love to see Shocker in a Spider-Man movie, writ large for just like for the opening where he just rocks up, knocks out Shocker, like this guy again, webs him up, and then <laughs> yeah. continues to go on that because that is like Shocker in the comics. Yeah, but you could put him in this because I don't think we're gonna get that in a spider movie unfortunately and yeah uh like this d-man he's one of my favorite people to bring up like he dresses half like daredevil half like wolverine and he's kind of insane uh, <laughs> and like super violent but yeah, yeah he's is a character exists 
uh, and he'd be perfect for a show like this. Um, Wrecker also shows up multiple times, played by Nick Gomez, first to attack Jen outside her home, and then later he's at Emil's uh, compound, like sorting out himself out. Who's again another person who's legitimately re- re- rehabilitating or rehabilitated. Yeah. He's done, he's done the gross. What's um, and- what's interesting about the wrecking crew though is that they're using Asgardian weapons. So then you've got that link to the wider. MCU as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and they do bring up Lady Thor. Like that, those events have happened. Yep. Um, I mean, they talk about it in like the I didn't like it, like in the typical. You know, they must have known. I wonder if that's some, one of the things that they found grading. Like they must have known in advance some of the types of things they get picked out for uh, on this show, and they've written it into the show in like a meta way. But I think that's all that's done is further infuriated the people it was always going to annoy. <laughs> it has, yeah, because yeah, when they're calling out things like that, because then people are saying things like, "Oh, so you know it's bad then? You know it's bad. You've done it anyway." It's like, no, that's not what they're saying. Like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're saying that this is what you were going to say regardless. Is what they're yeah, saying. they're just they're just getting ahead of it. So let's talk finale then. Everything's building and building and building. Hulk King gets Jen's blood. He transforms into a Hulk himself, and then Hulk yeah, arrives. Hulk, yeah, everybody's just rocking up, and then Jen's like, "Hold on, hold on! Like this is what we're doing? No, we this can't be it." So then none she goes, of this makes sense, and it just keeps going until it actually goes back to the Disney like like home screen, the Disney Plus home screen. You're like, "Uh, what?" And she'd been breaking the fourth wall since episode one. Again, going back to the comics, that's the thing that she'd done. And again, years before Deadpool did it. Years this before actual that. whole sequence, this actual whole sequence is directly from a She-Hulk comic from the 80s where it goes all, and she's like, what's going on? And she busts out of the panel, walks down to the Marvel offices in New York, goes into the writer's room and starts chewing out the writers for their, their poor writing, basically. This final episode, and it's happening very, here. Very similar. This is like, yeah, this is like literally right out of the comic books. Yeah. So anyone I've who not, has a complaint about yeah. it, I've not read the Dan Slot one, but I have read the John Byrne one. And there's a character yeah. in there who, God, the the character was doing something, and the character was like a golden age character, and then in the present day was teaching Jen how to move between panels because it's a lot quicker than hiring a taxi. Like, yeah, you know, just fun stuff like that. Yeah, so we're getting it here, and she's like, you know, she wants to speak with Kevin, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? How are we actually going to see Kevin Feige? Is he maybe yeah. going to be in it? But instead, no, it's Kevin, which stands for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. And Kevin is the one that makes all the decisions regarding. Yeah the MCU, they did approach Kevin Feige to appear himself, but he declined. So they got a voice actor instead. Yeah. Um, apparently, though, he did love the whole the whole thing. Right. Okay. He, he, yeah, he, he's a big fan. Like, even the, the three camera lenses of, uh, of K.E.E.V.B.I.N, Kevin. You can say Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, yeah. It makes, like, the bill of a hat. 
Ah, because of course, that's, Kevin yeah. Feige typically is spotted wearing a uh, baseball cap. And like, that's yeah, all these little reference. Like there's actually a lot of design elements on that Kevin. Like uh, there's film spool reels on the, on the back of it, like, like, like from an old projector and three lenses, RGB and the different colors. Like there's all so much detail going in there. And you like, and like yeah. I said, even that little bill of a cap, like on the top of his lenses, well, like, is he going to show up again? You put a lot of work into this guy. Uh, and then after that, he's got, like, the comics and the, the movies and all that stuff in the background running as he's, like, figuring out more stuff, I guess, for future projects. Yeah. Uh, and then Jen's, like, after she gets her way of, like, I don't want this, I don't want this. And uh, let, well, by the way, can I get Daredevil back? Like, uh, Jen, Jen, Jen wants her some of that. <laughs> and uh, all the little bits and pieces. And then she sits down, like, by uh, when are we getting the x-men and by the way what's wrong with what's with all the daddy issues it just starts <laughs> fangirling out kind of yeah, like yeah. asking like i want you to explain all this stuff to me uh i thought it was great yeah and yeah she hulk smashes bad guys and occasionally matt murdoch great line <laughs> great joke yeah like, uh, i just I've, I've got i've got to be honest i think you you definitely on sounds of it enjoyed it more than i did that you know yeah I don't know. It it derailed things a little bit for me, but I get it. I get the joke and, you know, there's funny moments to be had with it, but I don't know, like she was breaking the fourth wall the whole way. And again, for the comics, the screen and it, and it translated well, and I was enjoying it, but that, I don't know. It just, it seemed a bit of a step too far because I thought, because we're at least building towards a genuine uh, threat, like a villain reveal. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it works and it's okay, but then she's back and Bruce is there. And earlier on, she couldn't get a hold of him because his phone was out of range. We saw that he was in a ship and he'd gone to Sakaar, which yeah. is you know something that happened around the time of Thor Ragnarok. But then he stood there with his son from Sakaar, Scar, a character in the comics like. If you're not familiar, think the Incredible Hulk, but with long hair and tattoos and a big axe. Like mm. Code and the Barbarian mixed with Incredible Hulk, and that's who that character is. Yeah. Is that what we get in the show? Is it tech? No. I don't know what that is, <laughs> to be honest. And that's like I was saying before, just because something's been introduced here, maybe I don't know if it's going to stick or not, or maybe through the prism of a different film or TV show, the character won't look the way that he does. But I, I don't know what you think. I mean, visually, I thought Scar was an absolute shocker. Yeah, I could tell that's where they're going with this as well when he gets on the ship and heads off. Um, knowing the character exists in comics and where he comes from. But yeah, when he shows up... And just uh, stands there. Him, like, Really? But, yeah, he didn't deliver any dialogue and he didn't say no. anything, but the visual design of him, I'm like, that's what you're going with? He looks more like a monk than he does like the Conan the Barbarian-esque thing. And friendly. Um, looks friendly. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, he's kind of like hunching behind Bruce as well. Like at a family get-together, he should be like, oh my God, i got family. Also, barbecue, I'm hungry. <laughs> it's, I, I, I eat a lot. <laughs> 
I don't know, but it's but do you know what? It's like the things just happened with Jen. She's been at Marvel Studios, mm. so they can hit the reset on things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think who knows what they're going to do next. But um, yeah, I I don't know. From her being at Marvel Studios, and then like, look, Scar is here, and look, Matt Murdock's here, and um, ah, yeah. I don't know. I had my ups and downs with it. Really likes the first episode. And, you know, there's some funny episodes. And I did like the episodic nature of the show. And then episode eight was fantastic. And then nine, okay, and the promise of eight, like, wow, this is really good. And it just, I mean, I should have known that's where it was going to go. And ultimately, that's what the character would do. It makes sense. It's what the character is known for. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just, I, I felt a bit flat when he ended. Uh, totally though, what we should say, you mentioned, you know, the main inspiration, the 2004 She-Hulk comic written by Dan Slott. But what we get from this, the first MCU TV series to show a sex scene, of course, between Jen and Matt Murdock. Yeah, show, yeah, because there was the sex scene with uh, in Eternals. Yeah, so so this is... Oh, it's interesting, actually, saying MCU show, because we've talked about Daredevil, Jessica Jones had sex in it. Is that still considered... But let's say MCU Disney, which... Yeah, yeah, because I think they're supposed to... I think they've announced there's going to be like a kind of reshuffling of the continuity for Daredevil Born Again. Right, and that would be the place to do it. But, yeah, I thought it was yeah. um, interesting and worth noting there. And the music, the composer, Annie Doherty, she's the first woman to score an animated feature for DreamWorks, and that was the film Spirit Untamed, which came out last year. So he's like, oh, okay. So this is, you know, a show about female character, female directors, writers, and you composer you know so they're really going all in but i wasn't familiar with with her work in addition to her composing work she's orchestrated and conducted scores for numerous tv series including star trek discovery star trek picard fargo the umbrella academy altered carbon and she's also composed uh, for musicians including lady gaga and 50 cent so there you go mm-hmm. she has got a really big back catalogue yeah and i've watched like all of those shows <laughs> all of them so, yeah. but altered carbon for me and i've listened to gaga i've listened to 50 cents so there you go we've yeah we've known or listened to a lot of her work but yeah she's the composer on this yeah and yeah i i never found the music like capturing uh, as I do often with uh, certain projects, but also never intrusive. I always thought it fit uh, well. Um, you know, when she shows up to fight Daredevil, I think they did something very specific for her, like reveal of like this is Jen and her superhero outfit. Um, but yeah, um, they do a riff as well of the Daredevil theme, the Netflix show, which I thought was which I really, really appreciated. Um, yeah. The opening title sequence, or more the end titles, when it's drawings, 
like animations, yeah. which I thought was really cool. So because of that, and I'd sit through it, and sometimes you got a bit of extra, like a, a post-credit scene. Not always, but sometimes. So I'd sit through the music and enjoy the music. And I've listened to it a couple of times on Spotify. So yeah, it's good. I do like the scope of this. Because some of them, it's like, hey, do you remember the music? Not at all. I really, really don't. But this is, yeah. this is a good one. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So if you're going to rate this show out of five? Personally, um, I'm way up there. I'm probably out of four out of five. Again, very familiar with the comic book run it was based on. Um, was the sort of show I expected from uh, for them to do, if, especially, again, lawyer show, so many law comedies uh, that they could have used for inspiration. The Elaine thing makes perfect sense now. I hear it, uh, even though she's not a lawyer. But really enjoyed it. Some really deep cut stuff. Like some characters they brought up that I had to Google. I'm like, who the heck is that person? Um, and yeah, a lot of love. All the actors did a great job. Great chemistry. There's never anyone who popped up. That I'm like, what? that's what you went with. Like you should have like maybe thought more about that. So yeah, that's it for me. Um, I, I, I do. Again, I can't being familiar with the, where it comes from, I can't really comment on what it's like for non-comic uh, people who are unfamiliar with the internet just seems to have like collectively been like those guys who haven't, or, or those people who haven't actually uh, taken in the source material. But what about yourself? Yeah. I mean, yeah, not as high as you. I mean, this is a show that I definitely wouldn't have recommended to people although again i'm going to use the word inconsistent uh, but there's a lot to like the cast the relationships um yeah and the comedy you know there is so much to like about the show and just the fact that it's so different like we've just had miss marvel before that we had moon knight so tonally i'm enjoying that shift from one show to the next and even if you look at you know, the week that we got the Daredevil episode on the Thursday, on the Friday, we got Werewolf by Night, which couldn't be any different to what we're getting from She-Hulk. So I'm, in, I'm enjoying how different these shows are, but still within the same shared universe. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to come in at a, a three out of five. It's, yeah. it's a show that... <laughs> it's a show that I enjoyed more than I thought the quality was there. Like I could see that it wasn't, I wasn't having the best time with it, but I was enjoying it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't all working for me, but as an experience, I was enjoying it week to week. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Three out of five. Yeah, no worries. Well, that's it for our episode all about She-Hulk Attorney at Law. If you would like to contact us about this episode or make suggestions for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.